From Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is away this week. We're glad you've joined us as we open the Bible and study God's Word. Now, here's this week's Crosswalk message. What I want to do is I'm going to try to quickly, quickly and uh, efficiently give you uh, a sermon today um, from camp. So if you would, open up to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be starting in Philippians chapter 3, and we'll be starting in verse 17. I remember when I was uh, 16 years old, I wanted to fit in in a group of people that I had never met before. And the reason I never met them before is because I had just moved. We had moved from a place called Utahville, South Carolina, which is actually one of the churches that comes, came with us, excuse me, that came with us to camp. Uh, it was from my hometown, kind of where I grew up. And so I moved from this tiny little town. I mean, when I say tiny, I mean 300 people tiny. It was tiny. Uh, the big, biggest thing we had going for us was a tasty twirl and it was a little burger stand that was like in the middle of a field. So uh, this was the town I grew up in. And so we moved from there. My dad was a pastor there. We moved from there to Greer, South Carolina, um, near Greenville, South Carolina. And, and I um, got to know these people. These people were different from what I was used to. They, they acted different. They talked different. They wore different clothes and all this stuff. But I wanted to become more like them. I wanted to belong somewhere. So I started to dress different. I started to act a little different. I started to say things, use different phrases and try to fit in and go with them to go do things that I wouldn't normally do and all that kind of stuff. And it was all because I wanted to belong. But we see that in teenagers a lot, but so often we kind of miss it as adults that we still have that longing to belong. Let me just give you one silly example is, has anybody know what a brony is? A brony. Anybody heard of a brony before? A couple of you. The, the teenagers have, because I mentioned it at summer camp, a brony is a full-grown man who watches and collects My Little Pony. Right? You ever heard of that before? There's actually a documentary on Netflix, or at least was on Netflix, about this phenomenon, and it is real and strange. Uh, so, but they want to belong to, you guys are looking at me like, he's, tell, he's not telling the truth right there. There are not people that do this, I promise you. There are real people that do this, and I know them personally. Um, Anyway, but they, uh, so they want to belong. They want to belong to a group. So they belong to the bronies. Or it could be anything. Maybe it's a, uh, I don't know, a certain football team that you want to be a part of or you want to like. And so you get in this group of people that likes the same football team or, or a, a group that likes Star Wars or, or whatever. You know, we, have, we want to belong. We want to be in a group. And it's part of who we are. Maybe you've been to a new job before and you realize when you get in there that the culture of that new job is different from the culture of the job you came from. And you all of a sudden realize that though you may have the credentials to work in that field, you have everything you need, you realize that you don't necessarily fit where you are and so you have to start to try to change so that you can belong in that place. Belonging is something that we're all uh, we all want, and I think that God designed us that way, that we would, we would want to belong to a community. We would want to belong. And so today I want to talk about two places that we can belong in a cosmic sense. Not just in, in our jobs or uh, with our friends or any of those things, but in a cosmic sense, where do I belong? Because all of us in this room are either citizens of earth or citizens of the kingdom. And you can't be both. You can't be both. So today I want you to ask the question of yourself, where do I belong? Do I belong on this earth? Is this earth my home? Have I, am I living my life in such a way that says this earth is it? This is all I have. Or am I living my life in such a way that I believe that I will go on to live forever? And this earth is just 
we're just passing through this time. If there's anyone besides Jesus that exemplified what it was to be a citizen of heaven, it was the Apostle Paul. This guy would do anything for the sake of the gospel. This guy would go anywhere and preach to anyone and do the craziest things and be thrown into prison and be stoned and be whipped and beaten and be singing praise courses in the prison as he's doing it. This guy was a citizen of heaven, as we can think, as we think of. A little background on Paul in this passage in Philippians that we're about to read. This is one of the prison letters. This is one of the prison epistles. Epistles just means letters. Paul wrote this from prison. He wrote this as he was chained to a wall, as there were rats scurrying around and it was dark, probably wasn't getting fed like he should. This is where he wrote this. And some of the things he says in just a moment as we read them, you're saying, how can you say those things when you're in that kind of situation? It's because his perspective was not an earthly perspective. He saw himself as a citizen of heaven. Before we look at the verses we're going to look at today, I want you to just kind of look before in chapter 3. We see that, and we did this, I actually preached on this part a few weeks ago when I preached last time, but that Paul talks about running the race of uh, not considering himself to have taken hold of the prize. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straying toward what is ahead, I run the race. I press toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward. Chapter 3, verse 14. The idea that this prize of, this heavenly prize was his relationship with God. He gave everything. He strained like a runner, strained to get the victory. Everything he had, he ran for that prize. And then he comes to the verses we're going to read today in verse 17. And this is what he, he says to us. He first describes um, what they should do, and then he starts to describe what it means to be a citizen of earth. Read with me, starting in verse 17, chapter 3, verse 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. In other words, strong believers who are living out this gospel this good news that we have. Strong believers that are living as citizens of heaven, follow them, follow their example. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Let's pray. Dear God, as we hear your word today, speak to us. God, for things that I don't make as clear as I should, God, that you would clear up for those in the room. God, help me to speak your words, though, plainly and clearly, that all can understand. And God, as you've worked on my heart through the preparation of this message, I pray that you'll work on the heart's of those in the room, and that the first person I may be preaching to is myself, and that those in the room would also be listening and to say, excuse me, to say, God, start revival with me. Change me. In Jesus' name. Amen. First off, citizens of earth, Paul says, are enemies of the cross. We can see it in verse 18. He says, for as I've often told you before, and now tell you again with even tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And first off, we think of enemies of the cross of Christ just automatically, we think of those people that are totally against Christianity and everything the church does, they want to go against. They want to try to pull people away from uh, religion or Christianity or faith in Christ. They want to pull people away from those things. That those are people that are enemies of the cross. But I want to tell you that there's an enemy of the cross that is even inside the church and it's an insidious type of enemy. The first type of enemy of the cross that I want to talk to you about today is the enemy of the cross that is legalist. 
legalism. This is the churchy enemy of the cross. Someone who, who says that they can do it on their own. That they can get to heaven on their own. They can do it. That Christ's death on the cross, they don't say it with their words. They would say, oh, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. But at the same time, they try to live a life saying that they can do it. This, when we look at um, Scripture, the people that are representatives of this are the Pharisees. They're the people that say, I got it under control. I can do enough good things to get me into heaven. I'm a pretty good guy. Maybe you've heard it said before. Maybe you've said it yourself. I'm a pretty good person. The Bible makes it clear to us that good people don't, pretty good people don't make it into heaven. Perfect people make it into heaven. So if we're depending on what we do, the good deeds we do, and the, things good, the bad things that we don't do to get us into heaven, we're going to be solely, sorely disappointed one day. That those kind of people live as enemies of the cross. And does that mean we just do whatever we want and just act like crazy and, and it doesn't matter? And we just keep sinning? Paul says absolutely not. We should not keep sinning so that grace may abound. But it does mean that we understand that the good we do is because out of respect and love for God and out of what he's placed on our lives. Not because we're trying to work our way to heaven. Because it can't happen. So the first churchy enemy of the cross is legalism. Second is those that I was talking about earlier. It's those that try to pull people away from the church. Those that actively pursue those who maybe have a relationship with Christ and say, no, you need to come over here and do this thing. You need to join this group of people. You need to not be that way. And they start to uh, speak lies into people's ears. And they pull them away from the church. That's our enemy of the cross. Enemies of the cross. But next, we have those that serve their appetites. Let's read it in verse 19. It says, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is their shame. They set their minds on earthly things. Their God is their stomach. When you hear that stomach, first thing you think is, are they like praying to their stomach and like worshiping and singing worship songs to their stomach? No. I think we can kind of get the idea, we can get the sense that it's not talking about that they're worshiping their stomach per se, like we would worship our Savior Jesus Christ, right? They're worshiping their stomach in the sense that their appetites, anything they desire, they want. If it's something in their life they want, they go get it. This is maybe a few years ago what we would have called the YOLO life. You only live once. I'm going to do it. As a checkbox, I want to do it. I got to do that a little bit yesterday. I had a little bit of a checkbox. I wanted to always race a NASCAR car, and I got to do that yesterday. So not everything is bad about that, but at the same time, we don't live in a sense where if, if we have a desire for sex or we have a desire for um, uh, some people struggle with drugs and alcohol, whatever it is, whatever comes along, we say, we say, give it to me. Whatever it is, give me that. And we, we just pursue our desires wherever they go. It's an earthly mindset. One that says we only live once on this earth and we're going to live as hard and as fast as we can now. It's not the mindset of a citizen of heaven, but a mindset of a citizen of earth. Next, I'll give you an example for this one. It's those that brag about what should be shameful. I remember there was a girl I knew when I worked at Chick-fil-A and she came in after New Year's Eve and she was hungover. And she was bragging about being hungover. And she's like, oh, I'm so hungover. I got so wasted last night. It was awesome. I couldn't even stand up. And I was like, why are you bragging about this? This is not a good thing. This shows that you probably have a problem. You shouldn't be bragging about things that you should be ashamed of. And I will tell you that today, um, I, as, as this uh, woman now has gone along, uh, she actually has come, into, come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and has changed who she is. I've seen it change her. But in that moment, she went from, you know, she was a citizen of earth and has now become a citizen of heaven. But that said, we all know people that brag about all the bad things they do. I think the quintessential example of this is the Kardashian family. 
who does things, things that you're ashamed of, things that you look away on, and you're just like, oh, I can't believe that's happening. I can't believe that person's doing that thing where they're doing what? Oh, she did what on Instagram? This is crazy. You know, you look at that, you say, I can't believe that's happening. Those are the people that live as citizens of earth. They brag about what they should be ashamed of. How many sex partners they've had, how they've become so sexually progressive, or how they've disrespected women, or how they've cheated on something, or you know, they're proud about the fact that they could cheat on their taxes or whatever, and they brag about something like that. When you meet a person like that, you know, you know you've met a person that is uh, uh, living for this short time on earth. They're citizens of heaven. And Paul gives us what their destiny is. Destiny is not all lollipops and candy canes. In fact, it's the opposite. He tells us here. He says that their destiny is, what's verse 19 say? Their destiny is what? Verse 19, you guys read it with me. Their destiny is destruction. Sorry, I don't think it's on the screen. Sorry about that. Uh, Their destiny is destruction, hell, damnation, eternal death. That's not fun to talk about. And I don't tend to be the kind of guy that gets up and uh, preaches hellfire and brimstone sermons all the time. But I think there's something to be known here. That we should, Paul used it as a warning, so we should understand it as a warning. That if our life is not lived, if we are not citizens of heaven and we're citizens of earth, that there is coming a time when there will be eternal destruction. As you hear that list, where do you belong today? Where do you belong today? Where do I belong? I can tell you, I fit those things too many times. And it makes me wonder, makes me think, what am I doing? Am I living as a citizen of earth? Because I know Christ has saved me. I'm confident that I'm a Christian. I can, I can look and see that uh, the time I was saved, I can see that God changed my life. I can look and see the fruit that's been brought out in my life. But at the same time, I see myself fitting the citizen of earth way too often. And I think to myself, this has to change. I'm not a citizen of earth. Where do I belong? Where do you belong? There's another person described by Paul. It's the citizen of heaven, the citizen of the kingdom. And here he gives us what it is, starting in chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 3 of chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Here he goes. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Those are two ladies that were obviously having a disagreement, a, a problem between each other. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of the co-workers whose names are in the book of life. In other other words, citizens of heaven, they get together. They work together. They work together for a singular mission. That they are going to complete what God has given them to do. When Jesus told us to go into the nations and preach the gospel, that they're going to come together and work to that end so that it may happen. And Paul's like, stop arguing, stop bickering over whatever's going on and work together. This is something that I need to embody more. You can ask Allie and you can ask anybody that's been on Facebook recently. Something where I need to say that I need to be a peacemaker, not someone that goes in there and tries to cause divisions. And something that I, as I went through this, I realized um, that this is something I definitely need to work on a lot more. Being that peacemaker that works together. Rejoice in all things. I know this is the next point. Rejoice in all things. Or in other words, happy, happy, happy. Anybody ever watch uh, uh, Duck Dynasty? All right. Here you go, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say? Rejoice. Let's try it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say? 
rejoice when it's hot. God, my glasses are fogging up. It's so hot in here. Thank you, God. Rejoice when, when life's not going your way. Rejoice when, um, you know, someone persecutes you for what you believe in. Rejoice and say, Jesus actually says that when they persecute you, rejoice. That means you're doing something right. Rejoice when you're walking through that dark room and you stub your toe. Praise Jesus. My toe is black and blue, but God's still on his throne. Thank God. Rejoice when you get that cancer diagnosis and you don't know how you're going to make it through, but you know God's got it under control. Rejoice when you get a new car and say, man, it's a new car smell. This thing, oh man, I love it. I know it's not going to break for a while. It's, it's something that I can have and just enjoy and go really fast in. Rejoice. Rejoice when you wreck that new car. Rejoice in all circumstances. I can tell you a story. I don't have time. I won't keep you guys. But of my friend having a new car and then wrecking it just a few months later. It was, it was hilarious. I'll tell it some other time maybe. Poor guy. Um, anyway. Rejoice in all things. Why can we rejoice in all things? Because citizens of the, of the kingdom have joy in all things and understand that all things are under God's control. And even the worst of circumstances, God is bending them to his control. I was talking to someone and they were telling me how they struggle with this, um, this uh, physical ailment. It is a physical thing that they deal with day in and day out. There is not a day that goes by where they are not plagued by pain. And they said that they wish, they long for the day of heaven where that pain can be gone. Where they can be free of the pain that they're in here on earth. And I, I heard that and it hurt my heart a little bit. Or a lot of it, actually. It impacted me enough that I decided that I wanted to put it in my message here. But then that idea of longing for heaven should be a longing that's in all of our souls. Whatever's going on, that we are homesick for heaven. At camp, we always deal with students that are homesick. It always reminds me of that should kind of be how I feel about heaven, that this is not where I belong, that I'm homesick for heaven. Sometimes God can use the worst circumstances in our life to help us realize this is not it. There's a victory coming. He's going to bring everything to completion one day. And he sits on the throne and there's all things inside his control. So we rejoice in all things, even the bad things. This next one, verse 5 of chapter 4. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Some versions say be caring to all people. That idea of caring to all people carries with it that where we care for those in the church and we care for those outside the church. I was talking with somebody the other day and, and uh, they said to me, you know what? You're not the most compassionate person. And I said, you know what? You're right. I'm not the most compassionate person. When people are throwing up in grab bag, I'm laughing. Um, when I'm on a roller coaster and the person sitting next to me and they're grabbing that, that thing as hard as possible and they're like, you know, crumpling the metal on the ride to their hands because they're so terrified. I'm sitting there looking over like, ha ha, that's hilarious. You know, and we're going up and we're going down the other side. And then I heard something from my wife yesterday. So when I drove, if you don't know, I drove a NASCAR, I kind of already said that, but I drove one yesterday for about eight minutes, solid eight minutes like for my birthday. A lot of my family got together. And allow me to drive at about 150 miles an hour, which was awesome, but also terrifying. And I was going into that first turn, and I said, dear God, let this car turn, because I don't know how I'm going to make it. And, Allie, and I came out, and I told Allie that I was terrified, and she started laughing. She's like, finally. Finally, I have found something that actually scares you, you know? Anyway, I'm getting way off track here. We need to care for people, right? 
Uh, we need to be caring. We need to be focused on caring for those and not just those people that are easy to love and easy to like because those are the ones that are easy to love and easy to like, the ones we get along with, the ones that are kind of like us, the ones that share our views, the ones that, sh- uh, the ones that um, live like we live, live in our neighborhoods and kind of live in the same houses and drive the same cars and have the same amount of kids. We, it's easier to care for those kind of people a lot of times. But the people that are different from us, we have to care for. We have to care for everyone. Jesus said, love our neighbor. And then when it's discussed, what does a neighbor mean? What is a neighbor? It means everybody, not the person next door, the person that's easy to like, but everyone, even the ones we disagree with. Now I'm about to step into something. And I want you to understand that as I, as I do this, my, the language I'm going to use um, could seem inflammatory, but I, I, I ask you that in this moment, just for a moment, that you would listen and hear what I'm saying and then try to think about it, all right? Recently, in our country, we've run into um, this idea of, uh, well, not we didn't run into it. It's been here for a long time, but it's rising back up that we have racial inequality. And um, there's a group, and I want, you, I want to be specific about this. There's a group that is, their literal name is hashtag, Y'all know what a hashtag is, the number sign, the pound sign on the phone, hashtag Black Lives Matter. Now, I went on this group's website, and I looked at what they believe. And I can tell you, as a follower of Christ, I cannot agree with most of the things on that website. I can tell you that most of the things on that website go against what it means to be a follower of Christ. But, as followers of Christ... We may not be able to agree with the organization, hashtag Black Lives Matter. But lowercase, we can agree that black lives matter. We may not be able to agree on the means that they're getting to where they're going and how they're doing it. We may, we may even look and say, that's wrong. What they're doing is wrong. But we can agree that people of color are loved by God. We can agree that black lives matter. We can also agree that white lives matter. And when you hear someone say, and I, and I uh, was doing some research and talked to some friends that live on my street who are also pastors, but um, are African-American, and I talked to them about this, that when you hear the term black lives matter, it doesn't mean that black lives matter than other lives. What they're saying is they feel as though, and sometimes as a white guy, I don't get it. I'll be honest, I don't. And I don't have it all figured out. In fact, I say stupid things all the time. And I, I get told they're stupid. But as, as, uh, what they're saying is, is that they feel as though their lives are not up to the level of ours. And we say, no, you, no, we love you. We're friends with you. And then they say, yeah, but when I get into the swimming pool, I see your kids get out. And maybe not your kids. And that's the thing. It might not be my kids. I might be the guy that stays in the swimming pool when the black family gets in. But right or wrong, it reflects on all of us. Not everybody in this room is white. We got Hispanics and blacks and whites in this room. And thank God we live in a, we are in a, in a, in a um, church that is cross-cultural. But regardless of what the political rhetoric, rhetoric is, regardless of what we hear on whatever we listen to or watch, as Christians we can say that black lives matter from the womb to the tomb. And there will be people in this world that will complain about a certain aspect of how black lives matter. And we can say that black lives matter in the womb too. Because those same people that are yelling and screaming about 
um, what's happening. Some of it is very terrible, some of the things that have happened. Those same people are the same people that will say that abortion is okay. And I will tell you that organizations like Planned Parenthood target Hispanic and black communities for abortion clinics. And that is wrong. If we believe that black lives matter, we believe that they matter all the time. And in all circumstances, from womb to tomb. C.S. Lewis, as we love our neighbors, said it perfectly. When they really have learned to love their neighbor, and this goes beyond just racial, goes to everybody. When they really have learned to love their neighbor as themselves, they will be allowed to love themselves as their neighbors. When we can have people start to come up to us and say, you need to take care of yourself because... You're loving all these other people and it's causing you to harm yourself. When you're loving people that much and you're giving away that much, somebody like we hear about Lottie Moon Christmas offering, a lady who, who um, gave away all her food and on the way back to America died because she starved to death because she was caring for others. When we get to the point where we're willing to be that person, we're giving away ourselves so much and we're loving people so much, we're starting to understand what it means to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's when we're getting it. That's when we're getting it. We can flip those two statements. I'm not there yet, guys. Verse 6 through 7, chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything. Anxious. You can put worry in there. Understand it as worry, not just like, oh, I'm so nervous. This is, this is worry. About anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present, present, excuse me, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Some people have turned worrying into a hobby. Maybe you know people like that. Where everything, they worry about every detail and every little thing. The citizens of heaven don't have to do that. They don't have to worry about everything because they know that God has it all under his control. As we talked about earlier. Next, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The citizens of heaven dwell on heavenly things. They don't put in their minds things that... that uh, would, would bring them to focus on the earth. They don't fill their minds with pornography, as is, is uh, so prevalent in all of society, including inside the church. Fill their minds with all these pornographic images and then expect to live out Christ. It's not going to happen, men. May, uh, women, whatever it is for you, whether it's filling your mind with, I don't know what. <laughs> I don't get to get in the lady's head. I'll let you figure that one out, right? Whatever it is, focus. Don't worry. Maybe, maybe for some of you it's worrying. Focus on, what, on the heavenly things. Focus on your life here. And, 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 and a lot of times it's a mind game. And you can't just not think about those things. You have to fill your mind with the right things and think on what is right. And start to think about godly things and heavenly things. And Paul tells us what the destiny of a kingdom citizen is. And it's a, I can tell you, it's just a lot better than the destiny of an earthly citizen, a citizen of earth. He says this, the very end of chapter 3, who by the power enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. That though the end of a citizen of earth is destruction, the end of a citizen of heaven is resurrection. That today in this room, if you have come into a saving uh, knowledge of Jesus Christ, if you have made him uh, or, or surrendered to him as the leader and forgiver of your life, that you have resurrection coming your way. And that should get you excited. That you can live in such a way and have such a life that you don't live for here and now, but you live for later. So the question I have for you today is where do you belong? Where do you belong? Citizen of earth, citizen of heaven.
We invite you to join us on a Sunday morning at Cross Culture Church. We gather each week in a casual and contemporary atmosphere and celebrate the goodness of our God. Cross culture may be a little different from what you're thinking. Sure, we're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. A community of believers where Jesus is revealed in the lives of each person. Real people who truly care. Solid biblical teaching from Pastor Clay Stevens. And the most energetic, safe, and fun kids program around. Find out more at crossculturelife.org. I want you to the cross. I want you to the cross. Cross Culture Church in North Rollins. Taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.